This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's not too easy to be one it up against us. It's clear we will come, we will go and you have to you feel as the opponent. You have to, to use pretty much each chance you get from now on. Uh, the first half is more relaxed, but the second half I was often enough in my life in a situation like that, so I still know it. On days like this, you have just to be ready to, to fight with everything. On a, in, a, in a stadium like this, full of excitement, positivity about the situation, finally in the Premier League, what a stadium, what a club. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for this episode, Mr. Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Hello. And Mr. Chris Bird. Hello. Welcome. Well, fa- fancy seeing you gentlemen again. Uh, we went out on a bit of a podcast research reconnaissance trip to see uh, the Football Rambles live show. So uh, the three of us uh, went out and in tow was uh, Mr. Max Stokes as well. And uh, what do you think of that show? That was pretty good. I've never actually listened to one episode of the Football Ramble. Fair, I haven't either. I have, I have, I have. They put on a good show, the good. guys. Yeah, they were good fun show, they, they were I thought it translated well to a, to a live format. I'd recommend it. Wait, how much is the Football Ramble paying you? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't mentioned anything to me. They replied to my tweet. Um... <laughs> oh, it's, it's that easy, is it? <laughs> well, you know, I get to sit next to you. I get to sit next to Max Stokes. Bud's in my eye line. It was a great night. Eh? I only got to take pictures of empty seats. It was like being at St Andrews. <laughs> We're on the balcony. <laughs> it was uh, full in the stalls downstairs, I think. But uh, I don't think Max was a big fan of it, was it? Well, he can speak for himself, but I don't think he was. Uh, the young people are today. They need more visual stimulation. But I thought it was quite simple for what I was expecting. You know, It was just basically four guys sitting at a desk uh, chatting away. Kind of like now, really. Well, we'll see. Nothing to fear, though, in terms of competition, wouldn't you say? Just trying to think of something non non controversial. Um, Why? Oh, no, I just want someone to slot in there without going. Yeah, Have you got right. a new job with them or something? No, no, no. All right. Anyway, enough of that. Maybe if you were listening to the show and were there, drop us a line. Uh, Actually, we should have uh, said hello to people wearing Aston Villa shirts, but yeah, considering it was like the city is blue, apparently there weren't didn't seem to be very many of them lot there. Right then, anyway, coming up on the show, if you're one of those out the door on what well, used to be out of door on eighty, maybe you stuck around uh, to eighty five minutes against Liverpool, and you left at that time and haven't bothered checking the score since you uh, left the ground. Maybe you're in for a bit of a shock listening to the rest of the show, but uh, coming up in the show, we will obviously discuss uh, what went down at Villa Park. Bit of an epic game, I thought, and certainly uh, one with a bit of a sting in the tail. Uh, Also, we will, uh, well, first of all, we'll have the Villa dump dissecting that game swiftly before we go into the three points where we discuss everything from Liverpool's legal wranglings to uh, Southampton trying to uh, compensate their fans for a disgraceful performance and also facial recognition at games. We'll we'll try to uh, slide in a uh, Scott Hogan touch count if we remember to do it and and also a great offer for listeners uh, of our show from uh, our sponsors, Beer52, who will be sponsoring the show and uh, offering up... uh, 
in, in a nutshell, free beer to listeners of our show. More details on that uh, shortly. So before we get into the usual moaning about VAR, <laughs> discussing uh, <laughs> why we didn't hold on to another lead why god why why yeah speaking of giving away leads uh, sorry just before we go i'm reading a book uh, actually i've got five copies of it to give away to patrons i think i mentioned it but i'll finally put up the uh, the patron message for that this week uh, what do you think you know about football is wrong where it just it basically goes through and dispels myths it's one of those that they books that they normally put out before christmas uh, i think it's bloomsbury so it's uh, they have a good track record with decent books or you know, stocking fillers. But chapter 12 is there's no such problem as scoring early in football. And obviously bearing in mind what happened uh, at the weekend, uh, apparently if you score first between the 16th and 30th minute, you score the opening goal, there's a 66% chance of winning the game in the Premier League since uh, the Premier League started. And if you're a home team that scores the opening goal, if you score first, there's a 74% chance of winning the game in the, in the Premier League. Mm. I'll just put those stats out there before we uh, carry on. Uh, before we completely piss on them again because of Villa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, rather than piss, I think it's time for a Villa dump. Uh, Mr. Bud, before we uh, go any further and... Uh, for people who can't bear listening to any podcast without hearing the words Villa near the start, tell us what happened in 60 seconds at Villa Park when Liverpool came to town. So it was the first Villa-Liverpool game since the bloody Valentine's 6-0 defeat in our uh, relegation season. We hadn't beaten Liverpool at home since 2011, but onto the game. Oof. Lively start from both teams. Gilted Jalgazi chance has to bury it two minutes in. Big chances for Mane and Salah. Villa take the lead through Trezeguet, who had probably his best game in a Villa shirt. Superb delivery from McGinn. VAA fucks about again. We'll get on to that. Firmino, goal disallowed. Very close. The Scousers are still raging about that. Villa were good value for a hard-fought lead at half-time, though. More chances and a hell of a lot of possession in the second half. Sustained pressure from Liverpool. Lana misses a sitter. Equaliser from Robertson after a load... Robertson, sorry, after a load of pressure. Great cross from Mane. He couldn't miss. Uh, at this point, you'd still take a point. Villa survived the late free kick from Alexander-Arnold, but succumbs to the resulting corner. Mane, who'd been booked for diving earlier, heads in uh, Arnold's corner at the near post. That's the 35th, 90th minute goal by Liverpool in the Premier League and Liverpool's sixth win on the trot at Villa Park. <laughs> UTV. Oh, thanks for that, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You always, you know, know to raise our spirits. It was a tough pill to swallow still, but... I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I didn't feel that bad about it. I mean, I, I felt... Uh, no, I was angry. I, quite a, I mean, it's quite a lot of, there was quite a lot of positivity in the whole tend uh, at the end as well when they applauded them off. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's, let's get on to, uh, I mentioned earlier on, free beer so we could all drown our sorrows that uh, this podcast Thank God, is. that's the only reason I'm here. I guess I've had my finger on this beer cap for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't aim it at your computers. This <laughs> podcast is sponsored by... Beer 52, who uh, are actually a craft beer club, which is a monthly subscription. And every month they send you eight beers. And you have a choice. You can go, go for either all lights or a mixture of dark and light beer. Obviously, uh, a lot of IPAs in there. If you go for the dark beers, you get some quite sexy stouts. So the upshot is, when I say free beer, the first month is free. All you have to do is pay four ninety five for postage. What a deal. Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. Normal people will get a box of eight beers the next day. Literally the next day you'll get delivered eight what beers. What a world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but... This is like, this is just technology at its best. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. The internet's, you know, they, they invented Twitter. What the fuck did that do? It just destroyed most people's lives. But this is a company that's actually, you know, they've actually used the internet for good in this world. But anyway, normal people get eight beers, but because you're a Mayo Man said listener, you get an extra two bottles thrown in there. Oh my God. You get a box of 10 beers, and all you've got to do is pay four ninety five. For the postage. Let, let me let, let me let you into a little secret. You know, after that Liverpool game, you know everyone else was depressed around us in in the football grounders. They were spirited by the performance. I was smiling at the thought that I'd forgotten I had my box of beer in the boot of my car. Uh-huh. As I walked back, everyone was oh how sad. I was going oh oh. <laughs> 
Mm. Anyway, enough for that. So how do you claim these free beers? (laughs) So you can put that emergency box in the back of your car when you leave Villa Park. Mm. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com slash moms and uh, you'll see uh, the moms badge there and details of the extra two free beers. Mm. All you've got to do is pay the postage. And then you can cancel at any time. So you can cancel before the end of the first month. And uh, the job's a good one. Mm. It's a no-lose situation. I mean, we we got batches to test them out and... I mean, I was I was surprised and impressed the quality. I am a like... cynic, as you well know. I was really, really surprised about the contents of my box. It's and top that's shelf. Often, that's not something people often say about me. You get a publication with it, which is essentially the history of and details about each of the, uh, the drinks and the brewer behind it. So, if you are a, a craft beer aficionado. I mean, if you're just a drinker and just want some free drink, then that's one way to do this. But if you are a bit of an aficionado, the actual magazine's a decent publication as well. And uh, I think in our box, we got, we got we got a little... You get a snack thrown in as well. Yeah. I think we got some pork scratchings. There's themes. Uh, so last month, uh, which is the box that we got, I mean, it's a good selection of... Mm. European really good beers, especially. I really like the stouts. I mean, I'm not like a super dark beer drinker, but I just do it occasionally, and the stouts are actually really good. And I'm sat here with my session IPA. Yeah, there was there was three drink, there was three bottles out of the eight that I got that I would never have gone. Oh, I'll pick that, and I've tried. To, I, there was nothing bad in my box. I have to say, there was nothing that I wouldn't say. You know, I, I, it genuinely wasn't a duff one. Really good. It's just like a good album. It's just it's all killer, no filler. Yeah. Oh. And I, th- I think the next box up is. I mean, obviously, it depends when you listen to this podcast. But I think the next one up for, for the month of November is the Korean selection, which, which is a curious one. If it's as good as uh, like Japanese beer is uh, on the whole, then that should be a, a killer as well. I mean, I'm holding it for a Pyongyang Pilsner. So, oh, nice. Happy day. It does come with two uh, small bits of small print. One, drink responsibly. Two, don't open your can in front of a pop filter. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's called a pop filter. It stops the pop going everywhere. Exactly. In all seriousness, as I said, it's uh, www.beer52.com slash moms all you have to do there obviously just uh pay the 4.95 for the postage and you will have a box of 10 beers and a magazine and the snack coming to your door the next day if you order it in time it's uh, is it two o'clock the the normal cut off for next day delivery but that's all thrown in anyway uh, obviously open to people uh, over the age of 18, but that's pretty much most people who listen to this podcast. Uh, I'll also uh, put the details in a post as well uh, on the website. If you go to the My Own Man Said website and look under shop on the menu bar, I'll probably throw it in there so you can just scroll down and... Uh, access it from there but thank you very much to beer 52 for the fabulous beers and uh, for sponsoring this show right on to the three points we'll just whiz through these to get to the uh the villa liverpool game which uh, deserves special attention uh, point number one after southampton's nine nil home defeat on a friday Oof. night to leicester city i mean they went down to uh 10 men but that's still no excuse so embarrassed were they they announced that uh, the first team players and coaching staff were donating their wages from that day that that friday night to the saints foundation which uh, is a good gesture but i would prefer doing something like uh, compensation to the fans because you know the saints foundation is southampton it's basically <laughs> just uh, putting it into their tax write off <laughs> <laughs> allegedly <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a kind of an empty gesture in it it's, it's like just moving money within the club they should like say work well, next season you know the the first cup games free or, you know like we do mm. or you know put on a free coach for the the next away game or you know or whatever so the actual fans that actually watch the game uh get some compensation well put it this way if you've got 11 players in that team who are on they're going to be on more than this. But if you've got 11 players who are on 30 grand a week and they're blatantly on double that, that's still like 330 grand you can just take off people's tickets. Yeah, no, exactly. Every little helps. I mean, that would buy everyone a Villa dog. Or a, or a Saints dog or whatever the equivalent is. Anyway, moving mm. on. Uh, Liverpool, the, the team who managed to somehow get three points from Villa Park uh, this weekend, mm. uh, have finally resolved their sponsor issue. I mean, in a nutshell, without getting too deep into the detail, New Balance have obviously uh, been their kit sponsor, I think, since 2012, if I'm not mistaken. They had a uh, an extension clause 
but it's they seem to think it was just up to them to extend it. And uh, this went to court while in the background, Liverpool were already sitting down with Nike and have already designed the shirts for next season. They obviously see Nike as better equipped to help market the club you know, overseas, uh, which obviously sees to a significant increase in commercial revenue because mm. now Liverpool are European champions and with Klopp and potentially looking at the league title now, it's it's going to take them up uh, another level and, you know, back to the uh, the domination they used to have in the 80s, but obviously in a whole new world now where you can really exploit it internationally. So New Balance took them to court, but uh, I mean, as I said, I don't want to get into the details, but uh, it's all sorted out and uh, Liverpool will be with Nike next season. I don't understand why they're not going with Kappa. Yeah, well, maybe... Mm-hmm. Uh, High quality brand. New Balance are sniffing around now. Liverpool obviously been in the courts quite a lot recently because they were trying mm. to copyright the name Liverpool. I think that's basically to uh, curb international uh, merchandise. Basically, anybody trying to produce Liverpool merchandise on the sly. They'll never stop me. <laughs> but they <laughs> that that failed anyway. The courts threw that one out, and I think they also tried to copyright the term six times or trademark the term six times, just mm. alluding to their European triumphs. And uh, I think that failed as well. You can take it too far. This controlling everything about the marketing, trying to bleed every penny that you can out of something Hmm. anyway uh common sense uh well from the courts anyway came to rest anyway uh point number three facial recognition at football games after the police said uh, i think this is uh, in the in wales they said they wouldn't use uh, facial recognition for the swansea cardiff game Uh, i think they did uh obviously that throws up a lot of questions about civil liberties uh i mean i've had discussions with the west midlands uh on the west midlands police independent advisory group on their football division uh, when they were talking about using dna spray so if you're at a mm. football game i think it was for villa and blues so yeah, if you're at a football game they can spray you with this dna spray and it stays on you for months so for example if you're caught in a uh, you know something kicks off at the ground then the police can probably get you later because if you for example cause a ruckus in a pub and the police come and arrest you and then you know wave you with the magic wand and the dna spray shows up on you then they can obviously link you to that altercation at the villa blues game which uh, you know that also is an invasion of uh, civil you know liberties and but you get the people on you know twitter the twitter artist saying well if you don't do anything wrong you've got nothing to worry about well uh, does that also stand for hanging and you know capital punishment mm. i mean all you've got to do is uh, just read George Orwell's 1984, and you'll see it happening at a faster rate of knots than I ever thought it would happen. I mean, Newspeak's already happening. Mm. And you've got people just giddily walking into uh, being more than happy to be uh, under surveillance all the time. I mean, they're actually... It's actually consumerized now. I mean, with Instagram and reality TV and vlogging and and you know social media, everybody wants to sh- put out where they are, what they're doing, and uh, you know it's easy to track people. It's an easily dismissed subject. I mean, we don't want to dwell on it too long for the purposes of three points. But I, I, I mean, we we've spoke off air about how serious this is. This is you just mentioned the the context of the monitoring of police at derbies. You know, we've spoke on this podcast before about the use of things like drones and mapping yeah. the movements of people on a match day. That's you know beyond just the the, the intelligence they've got. And I think that. If anyone wants to dismiss it as uh, around what you're saying, around if you haven't done anything wrong, you've got nothing to worry about, that argument, I, I direct you to the, the mobile phone in your pocket and what you, even if you're not doing anything with it or on it, is telling the world around you where you are, what you're doing, who you're with. Yeah, what you're buying. Um, what you're buying and what you're, you know, what you're looking at. And that, that can extend to even more subtle things that the club will know what you're buying, the frequency of it, the credit card. It's no surprise that you can only, it's going cashless within the grand convenience yeah. or... Actually, are they building a profile on you? It's basically big data. I mean, they they now employ data and and analysts. Mm. It's not just like marketing assistant. They have a, you know, their their job title is data. Data analysis, Mm. senior data analysis, you know, data director, whatever, because they're crunching the numbers. They are seeing exactly how you behave, what you're... buying patterns are and so this you know if this extends to facial you know re- facial recognition will be another thing i think you know at all stadiums will start to have it in and, and my final point would be this is that where people say well there's the proper safeguards in place there's the proper checks we know that's not the case just this year there's been uh, major train stations i think it was king's cross in in london where 
the data had not only been properly collected, it had been lost and passed to a third-party contractor, and no one knows where it is even now. These are the dangers where if you're collecting information on innocent supporters attending football grounds, that it's only as strong as the weakest link. Exactly. And you may have heard of the word hacker. Hmm. Right, before we go on, I just want to give a big shout-out to the... My Man Said patrons, especially the ones that have uh, signed up uh, in the last week or so. Perry Fletcher, Mark Plant, Jordan Rees. Also, a uh, shout out to Greg Sawicki. Uh, apologies if I... Sawicki, if I've pronounced that wrongly, who upped his pledge and it was actually good timing, but uh, that's between me and Greg. And also, uh, Ian Knight uh, sent me an email saying we never shouted him out when he joined and upped his pledge but it's it's a meticulous process, and I'm sure I've sh- shouted you out. But anyway, Ian, uh, thank you for being uh, my man said patron. Thanks, Ian. Ian, night, night, night. Ole, 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 ole. Ian, night, 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 night. night, night. Up those pledges, people. I'm the melody man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he's not getting the gig. No, he's not. Please do uh, to support the show and get access uh, to bonus podcasts, especially the anti-preview. I mean, I think I think I put out three bonuses uh, last week, so it's worth signing up because we'll do uh, more and more bonus podcasts. Also, uh, you will be in with a chance to get rewards as well as a thank you for being a My Man patron and making this all possible. Uh, please do head to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the Patreon option on the website's menu. Thank you very much. Uh, also, you can become a Facebook supporter as well. If for some reason you don't want to do uh, the Patreon option, uh, you can get access to the podcast, but I have to put them up as like videos so you can't download them to your app. So if you can, it's probably best to go via the Patreon uh, option. But if not, it's still uh, still a way of supporting the show. Right then, uh, let's get on to uh, this Villa-Liverpool game. Liverpool came out of the hat for our quarterfinal opponent of the League Cup, or as other people uh, in marketing like to call it, the Carabao Cup. Sorry, Dan, you, we, me, and, uh, me and Chris did a uh, patron bonus show on, on the Villa Wolves game. Mm. Uh, just just quickly, what did you think of that game? Obviously, you, you were there too. Mm. Oh, well, Wolves were kind enough to field 11 fetuses, and uh, that <laughs> <laughs> somewhat changed the dynamic. Uh, in a nutshell, I thought it was a... It, it was a shame, but it was a real non-contest, and there was some criticism of Villa not even bothering to get out of second gear. Yeah, didn't require it. It was a some people say training match. Uh, what it was a very very junior Wolves team and a, and a, a, a second string Villa team beat them without doing too much. I don't know how strong Liverpool will go. I, I wouldn't imagine very. Do you think Smith should then go stronger than the team that he put out against Wolves? Well, it's the cliche: put out a team that you think can win. Yeah. This is the only competition we can realistically win. I mean, potentially, we, we could give them a game what, no matter what team they put out. Mm. I mean, I think the players would have got that, at least got that confidence from uh, what transpired at Villa Park uh, at the weekend. Mm. Mm. But I don't think Liverpool will go for it. I mean, Klopp seems to, uh, you know, almost spit when he mentions the words uh, Carabao Cup. I did I did quite like his uh, tongue-in-cheek reference that they should, the next, the only available time to play the game is 3am on Christmas Day. So wouldn't that be, <laughs> suits me. I don't know about you, but I'll still be up. <laughs> suits me. I mean, I'll have just finished my Beer 52 delivery, so I'm rocking and rolling, baby. <laughs> Dan will be doing Father Christmas duties in the whole end, wrapping the presents. Mm. Yeah. Come and sit on my knee, everybody. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Bit of Christmas nonsense. On with the show. On with the show. <laughs> the big news, obviously, which I didn't get until I was at Villa Park. Grealish uh, obviously uh, was missing. So Smith, you know, he was in the press conference he's, he was giving out all the signs that Grealish was fit and ready to go he was back in training Grealish apparently uh, woke up in the morning didn't feel great went for a run on the pitch and then said no and, and basically uh, called himself uh, took himself out of the uh, the action uh, what, what did you feel when you when you heard that news I didn't it didn't really sort of change my psyche too much because I, I had a feeling that even if he had played I don't think he would have got through 90 minutes anyway and in reality, I don't think it was the kind of game where you would have got to see him at his free-flowing best anyway. He would have had to potentially play a different role anyway. Same here. I just thought, well, I don't think this actually makes any difference because we're going to be on the counter here if we're going to beat them. Playing Grealish, you, yeah. 
you're playing him because you want to try to win this game. And I thought, well, the only way we're going to win this game is on the counter anyway. So it kind of doesn't really, he's going to be spending most of his time closing down space, isn't he? So uh, not much of a miss, I would say. Uh, that was before the game. I mean, we'll talk about it in hindsight now. Uh, anyway, but I think as the game started and it progressed, we soon forgot about his absence anyway. Mm. Uh, I think the main thing though, without his absence, was how the front three were going to perform. And uh, obviously we, we reverted back to those two wide men who at times could be seen as as we've discussed before slightly luxury players if they're not putting a shift in so that was a bit of a concern because obviously Trezeguet and El Ghazi would have had have to be drilled to be on the back foot at times because obviously we were going to come under uh, sustained pressure but uh, I mean let's talk about Wesley first I thought his attitude was a lot better I mean there was that great moment where he he literally chased down four or five players, which was, it was almost a comedy moment, but it actually oh, en- yeah. endeared him to the crowd, I thought. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me it was a little bit of a, it was more of a comedy moment than a, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Liverpool players sort of looking at each other like, is this fool going to keep running? We're just going to keep playing. It was a little bit headless the, chicken, wasn't it? I thought it was. Well-meaning, but yeah, it, it was. <laughs> you, come, you almost thought, come on, mate, save your legs. No, it's funny. <laughs> I, I, mean, I played centre forward once, and I remember my manager from the sideline shouting at me to chase down everything, and I just turned around to him and said, "Fuck off," because I, I just <laughs> thought it was pointless, and it was. It I, I mean, there's a the high press, and but you need to press in packs to be effective against somebody like Liverpool. You can't just have one guy running around trying to cover that, no, no. trying Not to cover the whole world class players. Yeah, trying to cover a whole back four. You need to be <laughs> you need to be hunting down in twos and threes at the least. No, I, I didn't. I really didn't get that. I thought. Uh, uh, it, it, it wasn't Wesley's worst performance by any stretch. I, I stand by what I've said before. I think that he, he's shown where his strengths are. We He looked very isolated, I thought, again. And, um, and with that said, I thought that with Trezeguet and Algarzi playing playing out wide, it did sort of it reverted to almost like a, a three-pronged attack at some points. But he, there was a couple of times where we were out, we had a wide ball and he was almost on the edge or, of the box or further behind. Yeah, his positioning so, is weird. Noticed, he Mm. Like when we finally got it in, let's say deep in their area, and we're and we're coming down yeah. either flank. Some of his positioning, he's he's actually behind the winger on the you know Correct. on the flank, or he's in the middle of the park. He's he's he seems to pop up all over the place, but you, there's no mm. constant threat up front, and that's the big concern. Mm. And I think if he made himself uh, more apparent, you know, as a striker, and that was you know his main uh, concern in that game, we, you know, you might have had a bit more purchase. I think he. His hold-up play was certainly improved. I think that more comes down to the Villa players actually popping it into his feet as opposed to just lumping big balls up to him. <laughs> Chin high. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he wasn't. It was it was a different kind of play. But I don't think we could. One thing, well, one of the many things that Grealish gives you is, is he's going to get closer to Wesley than some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And I just thought we didn't. There's a certain amount of caution that you have when you play. It was the same against City. You have to have that little bit of courage and confidence to go. We get. We have to as a unit, step up the field as one. Because if you mm. don't, he's just going to get more and more isolated. And I think Liverpool worked that out quite quickly that McGinn w- will always try. and But Louise and Nakamba, that's not really their game. They're not going to bomb on. The two wide guys do to a point, but they don't necessarily do it as a unit. So he'd still find himself, you know, the ball would go in with his back to goal. He wants to lay it back, but it'll always go back to sort of Louise and Nakamba. And we, we couldn't play through the field quickly enough to kind of break their lines. Yeah, I think Louise got up, got up and down a bit more in the first half, and he and he was uh, supporting. And I think one thing that was very apparent to me that both Louise and Nakamba showed how technically good they were because they're in some tight mm. spots, especially in their own half at times, and they they managed to play their way out of uh, tight spots only you know having decent technique affords you. That's one of the most heartening things to take. Yeah, I think. and you, and you thought, well, these two guys are actually pretty decent and they're only going to get better this you know these two guys have real potential and we've actually got a real strong four midfielders in greek technically in grealish mcginn nakamba and louise and even lansbury's technically very good and has got a good first i think lansbury's technically i'm I'm talking about i'm talking about four really good players (laughs) like you know really good that you can we can actually have a top six team competing i mean there's a reason lansbury's on the being on the bench even in the championship and there's a reason and there's a reason we didn't beat Liverpool, and that was, uh, we'll come on to it, but Hurrahan didn't exactly uh, cover himself in glory. 
But no, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sticking. Those four midfielders are actually top dollar. I mean, we're starting, top, to, we're starting dollar. to get to the point now, aren't we, where our team almost picks itself now. For the first time in a long time, even last season, we kind of know from what we've seen of people roughly what our best team is. Probably for the first yeah. time under Smith. Well, I, 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 just... I don't agree. I, I don't necessarily agree because it's it's a matter of what the best combination is still. Mm-hmm. Because there's four there, and obviously, you know, Grealish was out, but you've still got that, you're not playing that 4-3-3 if obviously those four are, are playing in the team. And so, I think the heartening, it's not a set the midfield, part. is it, with, with designated roles, there's a, there's a kind of a fluidness yeah. to it. And, and, that, and that's that's why I think that our, our glaring lack of options up front is become so apparent. Actually, mm-hmm. You know, we, we're very one-dimensional, whereas we've got a number of midfielders now where, depending upon the opposition, you can change things around, you can slightly change the formation. Uh, just to pick up on the points that have been made, I think that, you know, for any of us, and, and, and I'm sure many, many people listening, is that if you've watched Villa for any length of time, you know, we're talking about the midfield here, but we've actually got a couple of ball-playing defenders too. Yeah. Uh, and it's so... It, it, it's night and day, even from, I mean, I, I'd say the back end of, of 2018, really, that the, the, our ability to hold the ball. I, I can't recall a Villa defence in the last five or ten years being so comfortable under pressure, even on its own D, yeah. and playing out. Yeah. Play, you know, Luis is I'm from their own corner flag as well. From our corner flag. Don't get me wrong, Luis is has got a a bit of casualness about him. I think, you know, is, yeah, is, yeah. Well, you know that, that sharpness will come. But it, uh, his range of passing is outrageous. Nakamba, for me, Nakamba, game by game. I mean, his, his performance against Liverpool was superb. It really was a superb performance. And, and you just think he, he could be the one that... He could be the one! He could, he could, <laughs> he could be the one! Finally the one! Finally the one has come! He was, Finally! He was promised! Tonev, Tonev was, pro- <laughs> was promised. The one that he was promised! Down. He is the marvellous <laughs> messiah. But you just think that, you know, we've been through so many Duff and you think, well, so many Duff midfielders. And finally, we've got players that can, um, you, you know, roll on, roll off with some with some quality. And it's uh, it was really, really good to see and not not just us be competitive against Liverpool, but actually there's some real quality play at times. Yeah, if you compare those four with, and uh, I'm just picking out a random, uh, let's say the midfield from the semi-final that beat Liverpool 2015. Mm. So you've got Cleverly, you've got Delph, You've got Westwood and you've got a very young Grealish. Mm. Now, we've got a good Grealish now, like a more mature Grealish. So that's mm-hmm. the one better player. I'd take Nakamba over Westwood every day of the week. Absolutely. I'd take Louise over Cleverly. Absolutely. I'd take all of them over Cleverly. And then McGinn, you know, it's not even a conversation uh, over well, no, oh. McGinn and Delph. I mean, Delph's good, but I still take I still take McGinn. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. So the mid- midfield's great, mm-hmm. and and our and our defence. You know, well, it proved itself against Liverpool because it kept kept them knocking. You know, they were only knocking up until the 87th minute. It wouldn't let them in. And for the most uh, part, we we actually held them at arm's length, didn't we? It wasn't like they yeah. were tearing us to pieces. And, you know, uh, Heaton actually didn't have a lot to do. No, I mean, there was a couple of wayward finishes, Lalana being the, the main culprit. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of decent chances as well. So it's not as if, mm. you know, when you boil down, I we mean, did. the stats... The stats, you know, they make it's like look a like a horror show. I mean, I spoke to one Liverpool fan who hadn't been at the game, and he said, "Oh yeah, now you know, seventy four percent possession, twenty five shots to five. I said, "Yeah, but this is one of those games that stats don't tell the truth because actually we were not we were not seriously troubled. We you know we we had you contained, should, should I say, for mm. for most of the game. And I think when you if you look at where Liverpool had the ball, their back four had all of the ball. Mm. They were very comfortable to just pop it around and we would hold our shape. It became a war of attrition for me that, that a couple of things counted against us that we, we tired, I thought, a bit, a bit later That's normal. the human body. <laughs> it was the human body, but, but, we, but we, we tired because we, you know, the, what the possession stat does tell you is that we spent a lot of time without, without the ball chasing. And, and I thought that that's where players like Trezeguet, where players like McGinn faded from the game or their influence faded. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you're not saying, oh, fitness is a question because that's bullshit. No, 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 no. No, it's I mean, not a fitness no, not, thing at all. No, I, I think it was about us going deeper. Yeah, the more time a very good team has, 
the more time obviously equates to more chances eventually you know there's a good chance they'll score if you know what i mean but there was something i mean i know i spoke to you at half time uh in the lower holt uh you did about yes. liverpool's uh there was I, I noticed there was this kind of methodical approach where they they basically get around the corner of the 18 and and put a short cross in aimed at the at the corner of the you know the op- the opposite mm. six yard box, so you've got this diagonal ball that comes in that takes out the keeper, yep. and it's so short. That obviously, you don't have time to react to it. So it either you know gets a knockback or a, or obviously gets a you know potential header on goal. But it's very dangerous, and it's and there's a big contrast. Do you see when we? Elmo would like float it in from the side over the last season or two and we we put our crosses in a lot deeper and, it, and it's a lot more on the hit and hope where these shorter crosses from the corner of the 18 aim diagonally to take out the keeper instantly are, 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 almost every time you got your heart in your mouth hmm. you know it's basically pressure balls they put us straight under pressure and one thing I'll I'll put that at in in credit to Liverpool was and I thought our two fullbacks had relatively okay games defensively. They were negated going forward, but that's always going to happen against a team like that. But I'd have to say, I thought Robertson was superb. And Mm. I'd I'd, I'd actually go as far as to say, Trent Alexander-Arnold is probably the best player I've seen at Villa Park in the last good few years. Aside from sort of being in the championship, even the back end of our premiership, I think he's an incredible player and he's going to be a superstar. I Mm. would go that far. I thought he was incredible. A brilliant athlete. You look at his delivery and Gilbert... We'll probably end up doing some analysis on his performance, just as an, an example, because how he gets up and down, he's got an amazing engine. His range of passing, his crossfield ball is every time is on the money. His delivery from wide areas is on a sixpence every time. You'd have noticed a big difference between how they attacked as compared to Manchester City, because Manchester City really attacked us down the flanks. But mm. Liverpool always went, got in the position to deliver that ball. For example, if they had a free kick on the touchline, rather than cross it in from the touchline, they would play it short for somebody to play that shorter ball closer on the edge of the edge of the eighteen yard box to create that almost yeah. like a yeah. pressure cross. It's um, it's a bit less tick attacker than Man City, isn't it? They're a lot more sort of they'll go, we'll just get it in there. We have got three front guys coming yeah. narrower to get that short cross in. They don't go and blaze down the line and beat us for pace like Manchester City were doing. I thought the quality was much higher. It's like they're playing a scientific game. They're- That's do you know you, you've you've actually just just hit the nail on the head. I think the, the I think we we discussed in brief at half time that for me they were playing the numbers that they were they were doing that routine of either that diagonal ball across the box floated to the far post, which ultimately I think Robertson powered a header in and off one of yeah, Mane's yeah. crosses left for the for the equaliser. Um, or they would get down the byline and their the quality of the low driven ball into the box. They there must have been three or four times where I held my breath thinking, well they're going to stab this in, and it somehow made its way out to the back post or whatever. And it was just a pure quality thing for me and, and and this this may seem really really obvious but that's exactly what we've got to learn to do we had similar opportunities we were in similar positions but we we didn't use the ball cleverly enough our corners weren't good enough our set plays in and around the the final third weren't good enough and and liverpool liverpool didn't waste a lot no. and what they did is they they pro- everything that they did primed towards a goal opportunity yeah, goal scoring opportunity. It's it's and it's less fluid than you you think. I mean, it's less fluid than Pep's philosophy for sure. It's it is as I said, scientific. It's more. I mean, it's not as direct as let's say Graham Taylor when his first year at Villa. But you know, his ethos was you get the ball into the box, you create danger. Yeah. I mean, and also you think, well, why wouldn't you? And you've probably got the breast front three in Europe. Yeah, you put it in there but, and let them get at it. There was an opportunity in the first half, and it was either when Salah blazed over or another opportunity it might have been mine. Had an opportunity where uh, you know I'm sat in the middle of the lower lower halt and I look right to whoever was about to play the ball in. I look back left and there must have been seven or eight red shirts either in the box or about to arrive into the box in and around the penalty area. And that wave of you know if and I think it was for me it's just playing the numbers that you've said to anyone if you get in this position you play the ball in there everyone in that area get into that space yeah. and you're playing probability aren't you there maybe it's scientific maybe it's not well let's but, let's get into specifics mm. Villa going 1-0 up as I said uh, at the top of the show that put us statistically mm. in as a home team with a 74% chance of winning the game I think mean, obviously <laughs> it's a bit different when you factor in who you're playing this is Aston Villa, David. And this is Aston Villa, where st- statistics applying to normal teams are irrelevant. The A in AVFC <laughs> stands for anomaly. Exactly. 
Very good, Chris. But it, again, this VAR thing. I mean, we were celebrating, celebrating, celebrating. It all looked good. Mm. And if it's offside, then the linesman would have fucking flagged it. it. Took so long. And that check, it should be checked at the at the start of the celebration. They should know pretty much instantly, surely, if it's offside or not. And they should be quick enough to have actually flagged that as offside mid celebration, as if it was like a linesman's uh, job. I don't. That's what I don't get here. And the fact that we're standing around. You know, you could, you know, people breaking out knitting needles and all kinds of things, waiting for VAR to come up with a decision while the players just stood there on the pitch, whether they were going to kick oh, I'd off. I'd come or up not. with all manner of witty tweets. And <laughs> Dan <laughs> had actually written his, uh, his epitaph. <laughs> and then it happened again <laughs> with uh, Roberto Firmino's goal as well, or one that was flagged off for offside. And to be fair, I mean, when you look back at it, I mean, I know Liverpool fans are in meltdown now. And the Premier League put out, of, you know, I thought it was a humorous tweet when they said Liverpool's Roberto <laughs> Fem- parody yeah, Firmino was flagged out offside before putting the ball in the net against Aston Villa and the decision was confirmed by VAR. The red line, and basically there was a, you know, there was a picture with this red and blue line going through it. The red line signifies Firmino and was a line to his armpit, which was marginally ahead of the last Villa defender. I mean... He's not offside, is he, in that picture? Yeah, if, if, that's, if they're changing a decision because of that VAR thing, I mean, they should just... If the if the linesman's flagged it, then you you look at that... If you're in the VAR booth, you look at that and you go, look at that, yeah, that's a... Can't call that one. And so you just leave it. You mm. don't have a VAR fucking decision. You you, you let it go with the, uh, the what the linesman flagged. If the linesman doesn't flag it and you see that, yeah. then you go... Yeah, it's a goal. Is there some really weird... I mean, the fact that we're talking so much about VAR it underlines there's something chronically wrong with it. The, the, there's a couple of crazy bits that I didn't realise about where the line's drawn. One is that VAR makes a judgment on centre of gravity of the player. Yeah. So the line is drawn... Yeah. So the line, the line, is drawn where Firmino's centre of gravity is, is judged to be. And the, the other slightly weird thing about the Firmino one is uh, slightly amusing, I suppose. The line isn't straight. The line isn't in... Yeah, in the comparisons that have been made, they've the line looks not quite right. Uh, if it was us, if 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 we'd have had that goal disallowed, I think we'd have been up in arms. And the technology here is is opening up a, it's bringing into question the competition again, and that, that can't be healthy. For and the Premier to League. be fair, you know, he's no more offside than uh, Trezeguet is. I mean, if you're giving, he's not offside. If you call in that one offside, you cause you call in Trezeguet offside as well. I think. Yeah. So it's it's ridiculous. But I was pleased for Trezeguet to get his goal. I think it, it, it really, yes. straight away, you could see his confidence lift and he put in, as I said, in the uh, Villa dump, probably his best performance so far in a Villa shirt. Yeah, no, I, th- mm. I think without doubt. I mean, he, he reminds me when he's dribbling uh, of, of Tony Morley back in the day. I, he doesn't have the end product of Tony Morley, but he has that ability to go both ways when he's dribbling, and, and which yes. completely bamboozles defenders. And he had purchase against Liverpool, as he does you know, a lot of the times doing that. Now, I don't want this to sound like a criticism of Wesley, but do you think if there was a slightly different type of striker <laughs> for him to feed into? Yeah, I mean, there's Trezeguet. He's, he's gone left, he's gone right, he's gone past two yeah. players. That... He's looking for the channel, isn't he? Then he looks up and goes, "Where's the, str- oh, the strike? There's no, Wesley's behind there's no strike. What's he? Do I have to back heel it to him? Uh, oh, he's lying on the floor, <laughs> yeah. holding his, holding his whatever. He did have a playing dead moment again, didn't he? He had two or three, to be honest. Yeah. That made me roll my eyes. I think a he mm. needs somebody in the squad to challenge him because I mean, Codger comes on and it's like, what the fuck's going on? That's a waste of time. Shit, Phantom of the Opera. A shit, Phantom of the Opera. This Phantom of the Opera is not a seasonal Christmas thing, is it? But if he is, it's it's, it's a pantomime version when uh, Codger came on. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go back to the yeah. Wolves game, but the, but he came on against Wolves, and you just you just reminded that he doesn't even know what he's doing with the ball, does he? No, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely he'd... not Phantom of the Opera. He's more like Buttons, isn't he, or some ridiculous like. Past the point of no return. <laughs> he's a, he's actually regressed. I mean, he's actually regressed as a footballer. I mean, he actually looks out of shape as well, I might add. It doesn't matter what disguise he's wearing. He's, uh, I think, uh, we need a new striker, like, so quickly. Nobody's business. In terms of strikers and the wide men, I think one of the big, and there was probably two or three, but the the big thing I could see us lacking in that game was the out ball. And I mean, we mentioned it previously against with City about where you compare what Wolves took to Man City and someone like Adama Traore. In that we don't have that absolute breakneck 
turn of pace that you can, against a team like Liverpool, I think, when you're soaking up the ball for 60, 70 minutes, Villa would pick Stretch it up. It out. Yeah, we'd pick the ball up on the edge of our penalty area and we'd have, we have to pass our way out, even when Grealish is in the team. And if you've got a player like Wesley, you're going to go up to him, but then you've got to go and get the second ball. With, say, dare I say his name on this podcast again, when someone like a young Gabby was in the team, what you had was the ability to just smash it over the you smash it over the top and go get after that. But it gives you the ability, even against someone like a Van Dyke or a world class defender, is you can just test them for just sheer pace, yeah. and then it gets you up the field quickly. We couldn't get up the field fast enough to cause them problems. Well, also started hoofing the ball into the back into the space, and and it creates that that uh, that vortex where the ball's coming back quicker and quicker and quicker. Yeah, we definitely need a quick a, a quick striker in our toolbox uh... because the way we played, it it put us under pressure whenever we'd pick the ball off them at the end of, edge of the penalty area, we were almost relying on a moment of pure brilliance to get through them yeah. or someone to have an amazing run and beat three players. And you're just not going to do that against a team like Liverpool. You have to be a little bit more To be courageous. fair, we, we did create a few things out of nothing uh, yeah. to give us a sniff. I mean, the Horahan chance just before, was about five, ten minutes before they equalised. You think if he buries that and it's a shit ball from Trezeguet and you almost think in that position, if, if Horahan continues his run, Trezeguet cuts inside he can actually run in on goal. Yeah. You almost want him to be you know, greedy there. You think, you don't pass it, just shoot. The goalkeeper closed down that space very quickly, so he didn't have much of a, let's say, much room to pull the trigger and squeeze that past him, even if he you know, hit it like a bullet. But yeah, the, I think the, the big thing was the, the pass that he received. That's what I mean. I think he shouldn't yeah. have passed it in that position. He yeah. should go on his own there. He should back his ability. No, no, that's what I'm saying. The, the, when he received the ball. Ah, yes. And then it, by the time he's passed it to Horahan, the chance is almost gone because Allison's there, isn't he? He's like, you're yeah. not going to squeeze it in from there. It's got to be some finish to score. No, exactly. So you, you can kind of see why he elected to do what he did instead of having a pop. He's heralded as an unselfish hero if uh, he pulls it back and it does, you know, it ends up in the net. But yeah, it's just that decisiveness because you're not going to get moments like that too often and we've got to take them and that's happened against Spurs and it's happened against Arsenal where that two that two goal lead suddenly changes the complexion of the game yeah I mean I mean you look at the they'll look back on the Al Ghazi chance after what was it two minutes yeah. three minutes where he's it, it falls mm. to him and he's actually in the clear it's like either side of the goalie and it's in yeah it's skin Van Dijk as well yeah, and that yeah, that was a big. Uh, when you missed that, I thought, eh, it might not be our day today. Big chance, yeah. In terms of their goals, I mean, Villa have now lost eleven points in games which they've been ahead this season more than any other Premier League sides. And I mean, Horahan, it was a bit sluggish on one of their goals. Well, maybe both of them, Codger as well. I don't know if they were the substitutes weren't like battle ready. They weren't impactful. Well, no, no I'm talking from a defending point of view. Because if you look back... Well, Hurahan's very light. Yeah, they're not. They're certainly not there to shore you up, are they? I mean, the, the reality for the first one is Mane picks the ball up, cuts in. It's a fantastic delivery, and Robertson can't miss from there. It's just a yeah. kind of well... It's a frustrating goal to concede, but it's just a really well-constructed goal from Liverpool's point of view. But he's caught the his man flat-footed. El Ghazi doesn't follow him. Yeah, through, he's, he? he's not a defender, is he, unfortunately? Where was Al Mohamedi? <laughs> and then, the, I mean, the second goal... At the time, you just think, well, how's he scored from there? And then you see the replay mm. and you think it even more. You know, you think, well, f- fair enough. It's, he's very brave. No one, Codger's just kind of ball watching. He throws his foot in the general direction of Mane's head. Yeah. And numerous times you see it across loads of games, internationally, league games, everything. You think at that point in the game, when you want to see out a point, you put two men on the posts. Yeah, we were playing this in betweeny sort of bullshit. Not quite a zonal, not quite a man to man, and it's kind of like pick one. This mark this is the Dean Smith out moment where it began. Everybody, no, it most definitely isn't. The moment the worm turned because it's actually a that's a that's a player issue. Yeah, it was a lack of organisation that you you don't put fucking Codger on their star striker, do you? It made me laugh a couple of weeks ago when people got excited with the quote, and I'm talking about the uh, the in-house media team at Villa, and I don't know if the Birmingham Mail went for it, but uh, when Dean Smith, there was a quote that Dean Smith, he said, I look back over my shoulder and look at my bench, and, I, and there's quality there. But I'm, I'm completely mm-hmm. opposite because... Uh-uh. We're not bringing on extra options. We're not bringing on players to see out a certain situation. And this situation was we're 1-0 up. These motherfuckers are coming for us. What are we bringing on that makes us actually more resolute than what we had on initially? And we didn't. We weakened 
by bringing on Horahan for Louise in terms of def- you know defensive situation and technically Wesley is is better than Codger I would say defending the situation as well and also being able to hold up the ball you know more intelligently I mean Elmo coming on from Gilbert was kind of fair enough obviously Gilbert was uh, had a knock so you can you know you can write that one off but we we don't we need a bench uh, that's giving you proper options rather than just being 90% of what you've got on already I mean unfortunately you at this level now you I mean, the last two games are kind of prime examples. You look at what City bought off the bench. You look yeah, at what Liverpool yeah. bought off. The, you know, they're bringing off the bench a Rigi who scored in the Champions League mm-hmm. final. And Spurs Man- as well. Yeah, you know, Spurs are bringing on Ericsson. Man City are bringing on Aguero and about five hundred million pounds worth of players or whatever. It's like you know, we're not we at that can't level. Immediately but... expect to be at that no. level, but I, I take the point. It's it's you have to have the same quality. Don't it's you? the thing of having. On. Even if it's like, for example, Keenan Davis for Wesley, mm. you know that you're kind of getting like for like, and Davis potentially is a little bit more mobile. Davis is young, he's not there. So in terms of having a squad, you're looking at a squad getting ready for a Premier League season. Davis is your third and fourth striker needing to prove himself. He, he hasn't got like, you know, 60, 70 games in the bank at Premier League level, has he? Or top, top league. No. Davis I mean, is... it's having that player a little bit. I mean, it's at championship level, you can get away with it. But in the championship, if you want to see a game out, we used to bring on, you know, Mili Yedinak. Yeah. It's having mm. that kind of, in rugby, they call them closers. It's yeah. that guy you can bring on who will spoil the game, who will go, if it's in the air, I'm winning it. If it's on the floor, it's either going to be a foul or it's going in the stand. It's kind of just, it goes down to got a really simple football rather than like, oh yeah, we need to, you know, tick-a-tacker, tick-a-tacker. And there's that, that's one way to shut the game out. But that game on... Uh, on Saturday was not the kind of yeah we'll win the ball back and we'll run the game down you know we'll hold the ball because when you've only had what 20 what was it 25 26% of the ball it's like yeah. you're not just going to all of a sudden start for, for the last 10 minutes start popping it about and running the clock down we're not good enough to do that at yeah. the moment yeah i mean you basically got, you you got to spoil the shit out of that game i mean what was that annoying phrase of steve bruce's called you've got to box clever yeah yeah you've got to be a little bit more streetwise in these situations and we just weren't uh, I mean, going back to the squad depth, I mean, some people would have raised an eyebrow when we bought both Nakamba and Louise, and you're thinking, well, why do we need two of these? But it's actually a good sign that we've actually... Uh, well, they're upgrades. We've actually got two players, yeah. e- even though you first perceive them to be in the same position, and you're thinking, well, who's going to start out of them? The fact that people like Horahan, who probably, you know, and there were some kind of calls for him to be, you know, first team selection, but the fact that he's not guaranteed suggests that, you know, the midfield is in a in a decent position and it was good to see us buy two of those players. It's just a shame that we didn't finally get a second striker over the line as well with Wesley because A, potentially you need somebody with him at times and obviously B, needs competition uh, first and foremost. I think you're right in that sense because it would be interesting to see what Wesley plays like as a pair, wouldn't it, with someone if he had a, if he had a foil? But also he needs competition because you just see him sometimes and you're thinking, well, if Smith had a real go-to option to like sub him off, then maybe he would change his. Uh, I'll tell you what else attitude. he needs. He needs some chat. He needs some chances. Yeah, I can't remember the last yeah. time. He- I can't remember the last time he had a shot. Yeah, well, he also needs to get in the fucking box, doesn't he? <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, this you know, second half ways. I mean the. We've got that amazing away statistic that we haven't actually conceded a goal away from home in the first half. And, I mean, obviously that doesn't apply to Villa Park when you look at the uh, the Bournemouth game, but uh, it's we are shipping in the second half as opposed to the first half. And, you know, what is the problem? And I think, you know, what you just said about boxing clever when you're in the lead, that is... Uh, part of it i mean it will come together i mean i think you saw the response from the whole tend at the end of you know final whistle despite you know how it turned out in the end there was a recognition for what had gone on i think that everyone could everyone appreciated but i think there's a record maybe i'm just speaking for myself but there's a recognition of the effort that you know unfolded in front of our eyes but also you Mm. see the potential you go hang on a minute yeah we've got something here yeah and you know you just had a couple of upgrades you know striker and maybe something a bit more uh, zesty on the wing or of another option then uh, we really could be onto something here even with what we've got in terms of just in terms of the defense and midfield yeah and i think just just to just to square that off from my end it, the reality was that we were five or six minutes away from beating the champions of europe and and probably the team that will win the premier league this season yeah. um you know it's the fine margins isn't it it's no different to Matt Target slamming in a, a ball in, at Brighton in the 94th minute. It's the difference, isn't it? Those, those fine, fine margins. Uh, but to, to just find, finish off on, on your point, really, that if we can keep this group together, add to it, add some squad depth, it lends itself to the suggestion that it could be quite exciting. 
And I'm not talking about just, you know, oh, we'll be a good mid, you know, mid table team. I'm talking about we'll we'll be up there because we've seen this season what anybody, you know, people say in the championship, anybody can beat anybody. But it also applies to the the Premier League from what we've seen so far. Mm. Absolutely. Look at some of the scalps that Wolves have had, even in a season and a bit in the Premier League. Newcastle this season. And if, you know, that was the difference. We've seen what we've done against Arsenal, Spurs, Manchester City, Liverpool, and how close we've been. And the difference is with Wolves in similar games last season, they had that quality up front yeah. to deliver the killer blow. Yeah, I mean, I've said this on numerous podcasts throughout this season already. And the fact that we're conceding so many in the second half, it's that word of control we... We can't control a game yet. You look at what Wolves had when they first came up. You know, you've got players like Neves and these guys. They can run a game. Yeah. We have players who have the potential to run a game. But the fact that we would win the ball back off Liverpool and then we couldn't knock it around enough to just get... We never give ourselves a breather. Like Dan said earlier, we spend the whole game. It's very sort of blood and thunder football at the moment. From They have to work so hard to get a foothold in the game. We're lucky. Yeah. We've got enough quality that... In the final third, we've actually been able to make chances and take a few, but we never give up. We never give ourselves a breather. Whereas the Wolves game, you saw a game when we could actually control the tempo of the News game. Newsflash: We had a player that can control games, but we load, loaned him out to Stoke City. It's time for the Scott Hogan touch count. Come on, cue music. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, have you uh, finished that beer that you were drinking? Have I'm you nursing it. have you cleared your nasal passages, Dan Rogers? <laughs> I am ready for the touch count meter. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, the Scott Hogan touch count challenge goes like this. It all started off as a joke uh, once we found out how many touches uh, Scott Hogan would have in a game. Sometimes he would get lucky, I think in the game against Barnsley, where he touched it, uh, was it three times and scored twice in the first 10 minutes. Bonkers. <laughs> and then he finished the game with about nine touches. So this was somebody who was getting paid good money, but hardly ever touching the ball. So anyway, it became a, a thing. And now we have, uh, basically, it's the best of three. The first two uh, win t- two points. We have a round where you have two guesses how many touches he had or whatever the question is uh, that uh, is presented you have two guesses one after each other and then if nobody's hit it on the head it goes to a third and final round and there may be a clue involved if all the guesses are wayward of the mark well scott hogan has struck again as what? another manager who thought he was a good idea has been sacked as stoke lost <laughs> nathan jones to the curse of the hogan point one of the dismissal meeting uh this signing of this alleged footballer. You cite him as a striker. Yeah, and, and if you want more evidence of that, uh, I mean, the last game Stoke played before this uh, podcast was recorded was uh, last week when they got beat 2-0 at Millwall. Now, Scott Hogan was subbed off at half-time. Ouch. <laughs> so, I love this, So man. that would have been added in that conversation. Uh, yes, this signing uh, that you thought was a good idea, you uh, obviously don't think he's a good idea anymore. We're taking him off at half-time. This wasn't <laughs> due to any injuries or anything, I don't think. I love this, man. So, uh, first question, how many touches mm. did he have while he was uh, on the pitch in the first 45 minutes? I think Chris won last time. I, I still haven't had time to do a tally of who's winning the most games. Dan Rogers is the champion, but uh, European champion. on the winner stays on can only now be <laughs> challenged by somebody who hasn't uh, played him recently. But we will uh, rack up a tally. So anyway, first guess, uh, I think Chris won the last game, actually. So uh, how many touches did he have in 45 minutes against Millwall? Millwall were 1-0 up at half time. Six. Eight. Next round of guesses. Nobody's got it yet. Um, nine. Dan Rogers. Eleven. He's got it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sliding on my knees, motherfucker. In front what of on? the bet three six five. What goes is going up. on in the world? <laughs> Scott Hogan had eleven touches for once and still got subbed. He's got to feel hard yeah. done by there, hasn't he? That's got to be a record. It's <laughs> yeah. a good point, actually. That's a bit harsh. What's the guy got to do? Maybe that's why Nathan Jones lost his job. Because Maybe he, didn't he spent do the- that whole first half in his own penalty area, heading out corners or something. <laughs> Didn't realise What am I paying you for, Scott? You do not take Scott Hogan off at halftime if he's had 11 touches in the first half. Because that is normally... That that is a career high. So, right, second round. uh, 
Dan can go first on this one. So the guy that took over, it was an Irishman for an Irishman. James McLean came on for the second 45 minutes. Is that the shithouse James McLean? The one who was, the one who was at Albion? <laughs> shit. <laughs> don't believe that's his I don't think that's official a, title, yeah. Mr. Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure some people call him that. I don't I couldn't I have no opinion on this matter. How many time how many touches did James Shithouse McLean have in the second half for the second 45 mm. minutes after he was uh, after he came on for the Hogan? The only clue I'm going to give you is he's not Scott Hogan. Oh. <laughs> 21. 21. Opening from the Rogers. I'm going to go 23. 23. Mm. Second round, Mr. Rogers. 20. Follows up 21 with a 20, Mr. Bud. What did I say first time round? 23. Uh, 17. Oh. 17. This is fellow Irish international, James McLean. Uh, I'm going to give you a clue on the third and final round. Uh, none of you are within five of it. Bloody hell. Was he that? 29. Wow, was he that bad, though? 29 from the Rogers. 45 minutes, James McLean. So, sorry, just to refresh, uh, Daniel Rogers has gone for 21, 20, and 29. Chris Bird is on 23, 17. Nobody was within five after the first two rounds. I'm probably going to be wrong here, but I'm going to actually go for, like, 12. Chris Bird goes 12, but he goes the wrong way. It was 34. Daniel Rogers with his 29 goes within five points. And I'm doing, you know, that Usain Bolt thing where he points at the sky and (laughs) outside you. I'm on your front lawn now, Chris Bud. You saying Bolt? I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm still disgusted by the fact that James McLean's still getting a game anywhere. Chris Bud's been in a terrible mood yeah. this week, people. I need to let you know. I don't know what it is ever since the. That, it was that Wolves game because he was really like you know in a sober mood. Chirpy, wasn't we were trying to do that bonus podcast, but he just wasn't having it. He just wasn't in a happy mood. <laughs> it was a bad week last week before the Wolves game. It got worse after it, and the weekend ruined it. So positive vibes. And he sat opposite me at dinner, bemoaning everything. Yeah, we... oh, this beer's this beer's too we had, nice. We had a lovely uh, we had a lovely dinner, didn't we? <laughs> I did. You moaned about your mine was shit. That's why. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to choose it wisely. It was dirty, literally. You always go for the Turkish uh, above the dirty. I think. I think the word dirty kind of uh, says it all, really. It's the clue, wasn't it? Yeah, big clue. <laughs> Just in the context to the world of Scott Hogan, Stoke. Uh, couple of games ago they actually won back-to-back games but then they lost back-to-back games and uh hey ho that's why the manager left are they uh, bottom of the league now then they are still bottom of the league and if you look at the championship league table what is interesting is middlesbrough have slipped into the bottom three as well i mean they got progressively worse as the season went on last season didn't they yeah i mean their objective obviously Mm -hmm. was to go back uh to the premier league but they doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere f- uh, quickly in the next, uh, well, next season or two. How's that, Steve Gibson? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve Gibson's now learning the lessons for not spending money. See what you've Steve. got to do, Steve, is if in doubt, spend money that you might not have. It's worth it. Crazy. Wow. Anyway, on that note, look out if you're a patron for the uh, anti-preview for the Dogheads coming up in the week. Please do spread the word of the podcast. Let's if we grow this. If everybody uh, here obviously has great taste, introduces the podcast to just one friend, then we will double overnight, which is uh, certainly the way to go. Please do retweet it if you see uh, the new show pop up on Twitter. Share it on Facebook, and most of all, uh, please do become a My Old Man Said patron by going to myomansaid.com and clicking on the patron link, where you will find all the details. Any parting words, gentlemen? Chris, Chris, you alive? Um, no. <laughs> I need two new co-hosts. So if, if there's anybody out there who fancies filling in for these two schmucks, please do get in touch. And then, <laughs> You're just a shit Max Stokes. Shit Max Stokes. So until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye, goodbye. My friends. My old man said you want to be really in trouble with the FIFA, I'm not sure. Um, we want to be really in trouble with the AFL, probably not. So we, we, we respect the competitions. And look, the, 
the the Carabao Cup. It sounds always like we don't want to play. That's not true. What I don't like of the Carabao Cup, to be one of us, is just two legs in a semi-final. I don't understand that. It's in the most busy period. You think, okay, we play two semi-finals. That I don't understand and I don't like. But all the rest is a nice competition. We don't play the FA Cup in the first part of the season, so we play there. That's all okay. Um, and the Team World Cup, you play only if you win the Champions League. That doesn't happen in your life five million times. So it means we take the opportunity. They ask you, it's the best, is it the best time in the year? No. Um, are you anyway pretty busy? Yes, but you go there. We try, we, we, we try to play all the games we have with all what we have. I don't want to cancel competitions. I'm from Germany. Why should I cancel English competitions? But I have to. It should still be possible to talk about the problems, and that's what I did. That some people don't like that, I cannot change, because the problems are obvious. But it's like every year we do the same again, and, and some people find it funny and think, "Oh, look at that!" And they have to play now five games in three days, and let's see how they work. How that will work out? We cannot carry on like this. So come on. That's why I ask for a sit on a table. And at one point, we have to find a solution because these solutions so far, they sound for me more like another problem. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.